Hello, friends, and welcome back to another podcast of HNE. My name is David Steele, and I'm flying solo this week. And our main topic is going to be about the Batman. And this is going to be a spoiler cast. So everything, all the dirt is going to be brought out into the light. So if you haven't seen the Batman, my suggestion is to turn this off and go watch it and then come back. Okay, you've been warned. (laughs) So a couple of things right off the top I want to talk about. Number one, this movie did extremely well at the box office. Um, everybody thought it was going to do well. Uh, my co-host and I were kind of trying to predict how well it was going to do. It made $128.5 million this weekend, which is the second highest of the pandemic era behind, of course, Spider-Man No Way Home, which opened last December and blew everybody away with uh, $260 million its opening weekend. Now, you're not going to see numbers like that ever again, at least not for, you know, 5, 10, 20 years. Um, so that's something else to consider. So it was, it did well. Number two, this movie is rated PG-13. So if you do have younger ones that do like Batman, you may want to be wary about going to take them. Um, this movie is rated PG-13 for strong violence, and there is a lot of it. Disturbing content, drug content, um, and not so much major drug content, but still prevalent. There, it's, it's part of the story. Let's put it that way. Strong language and some suggestive material. So in all of the reviews I read and, and whatnot, this was compared to The Dark Knight. And I went, I was lucky, one of the lucky ones that I went on a Tuesday. And it was a packed IMAX theater. And so... I had to say, as I was sitting there watching it, it did remind me of The Dark Knight a lot. Um, It reminded me of other Batman things, which I'll get into. Let's first start with the acting. I thought the acting was very well done by everybody across the board. Everybody had a problem with, you know, Robert Patterson when he first got cast because, oh, well, this is the Twilight Boy. He did a really good job. Now we, now, we do see more Batman than we do Bruce Wayne, and that's just part of the story. Um, for the parts that Patterson actually had, he was very good. Uh, Zoe Kravitz, oh my God. You want to talk about exuberant sexiness. Amazing. The chemistry between Patterson and, and Zoe Kravitz was unbelievable. And it even got better as the film went on. Um, so... I thought Andy Serkis, for the for the supporting role he played, was very good. Um, and we see a little of his backstory, which was nice to see. Because in all of the other iterations of Batman, all we've ever seen was Alfred the Butler. In this one, which I'll touch upon later on, we see Alfred as somebody who is in the uh, British military. So that was nice to see. Uh, he used his intelligence training. So... Colin Farrell. Oh, my goodness. If you had told me that Colin Farrell was in this movie and before I saw it, I w- and you told me which character he I would have never guessed the Penguin. The hair and makeup job that they did for this, for this role, it was almost four to five hours. It was incredible. And he does have some acting chops. You know, John Turturro, for the supporting role he played, was, it was, he was very good. 
Um, he's still, you know, I always think of him as uh, Kanish in the 1997 movie Rounders because I'm a big poker guy. But yeah, he, he did very well in that. So let's get to a couple other things too. The story. The story here was a year two Batman. And so the voiceover that you hear in the beginning, which you, you see, it was a nice little thing what Reeves did. He, you know, he closes a folder and it says year two. So he's still trying to figure out who he is as a person. Um, so that was interesting to see. As we dive into this movie, we see a, a man that's trying to figure out who he is as not only a person, but as a, a superhero. The way he's introduced unbelievable matt reeves did such a fantastic job of bringing him in as the very first time you see him on screen and he just had a presence about him and an aura and a i'm gonna kick your ass type of you know mentality and you see that and so the character development that he does throughout the film was unbelievable so the next shot you see, so the first shot you see is how we see Batman in a voiceover and he's looking, peering into a window and he's watching somebody talk on the phone and then we see this hooded figure and so it is the mayor and he basically, he uh, he's talking on the phone like what I thought we had this in the bag type of and once he gets off the phone, it's Halloween night. And his wife and his young son are going out trick-or-treating. So this man then turns around and essentially kills the man um, with a an object to the head. And so the Riddler, who is the villain in this, is very much modeled after the Zodiac killer. Uh, Zodiac was somebody who was never caught. And he taunted the police, and he did all of these things. And this is what made him such a great uh, choice for this film. So, next shot we see is then Gordon coming in, which who was played by Jeffrey Wright, and the Batman is walking with him. And so he's trying to piece together what happened. There was a letter to the Batman, which he opens and figures out immediately and so it was the first clue left by the riddler so the chief comes in and said well, what is he doing here and i he's a vigilante and he needs to get out of here now before he's arrested and so he goes back to his back cave and so the tech he uses is another great feature of this movie it's just one of the many and so what ends up happening is he, he has these uh almost like contact lenses that record. So he's able to play it back. And he sees the boy there. And, of course, he's he doesn't know what to make of it. And you immediately, without seeing the scene over and over and over and over again of Bruce Wayne's parents being shot, we see Batman look at this boy. And he understands his pain because he was there. He had his parents killed or one of... He, he had one of his parents killed, so he could relate. So he wants to help this boy. So he goes back to the Batcave and he analyzes the data, prints out the uh, card, and a cipher is left for him. Now, anybody who's a fan of this 
knows that the Zodiac actually left ciphers at most or if not all of his uh, crimes. So in comes Andy Serkis. And he's asking, well, do you know this person? And Circus uh, played a great role, I thought, as a supporting role. So then we move on, and the next clue leads him to the Iceberg Club is a hideout of, of course, the Penguin, who's played by Colin Farrell, as I said, unbelievably done. And so he goes to inter- interrogate the Penguin, who is... So there were photographs found. He's trying to figure out who are in these photographs. And so he goes to the Penguin, the Iceberg Lounge, as I said, and he talks to the Penguin. And this is where um, Selena Kyle, a.k.a. the Catwoman, comes into play. And she's, bringing, she's doing a, a buy for what's known as drops. It's a, the drug of choice in Gotham. And um, so she leaves. And Batman notices a clue in the photographs. So he decides to follow uh, Selena home. In which case, he then look, peers through the window and finds the woman in the photograph. So now the, she needs to get out of Gotham. And Selena's in the, So we see Selena in the, in the cab. You know, don't worry, I'm on my way home. Because, you know, she wants to help her. And then Batman is or Batman is peering through the window, finds out that she's with him, and then comes in and so Selena leaves and he follows Selena and next thing you know, Anna, who is actually the uh character's name, is taken. So they come back, he they go she goes to get her passport from Falcone, and they meet. This is our first interaction of uh, Selena and the Bat or Catwoman as the Bat and Catwoman and the Batman. And then they say, "Okay, you know, I'll help you." And so they go back to the apartment, and Anna's gone. Anna's nowhere to be seen. They they took Anna. So okay. Now, what are we going to do? He even, Matt Reeves even made, managed to put some humor in this. I mean, you know, the crowd laughed out loud when, you know, you've got three cats at Batman's feet. And he says, you have a lot of cats, don't you? She's like, yeah, I like strays. Even managing to put humor in there was, is something that is difficult at a, in a difficult thing, in a difficult situation. So... Now the hunt begins. So I'm not going to give you a blow-by-blow of everything that that went by, that went on. I mean, if you're listening to this, you've obviously seen the movie. But I do have a lot of uh, impressions about it. One of them, as I said earlier, was the story. It It was fantastic. It was a different Batman. It was a more visceral Batman. Um, we, we see, uh, what Matt Reeves' vision was. And how it was put on screen, which was fantastic. The villain, the the main villain, I should say, the Riddler, incredible. Paul Dano, and I tweeted this out the other the other day. Paul Dano should, and I know we're talking about the Oscars next year, but he should 
get an Academy Award nomination for his role in this. It was unbelievable what kind of gravitas he brought to this role. Um, it, it just, you know, it, it worked. Even, <laughs> even when met the introduction of the Batmobile, leading into the whole penguin chase scene, unbelievable how he was able to put that together and then the, the whole chasing itself i mean the editing there from shot to shot how the pov of on the car to the first person to everything about it now listen i understand there was some cgi involved i get that there had to be but it was unbelievable how they were able to put it all together and just make it work um Okay, so two other things I want to touch on. One of them is the city of Gotham. I mean, in, in all of the iterations of Batman films, the city of Gotham really was never a... had a role, right? It was... We always knew it was going to be a dark movie. It was... For those who don't like wet weather, <laughs> it was always raining. But beyond that, Matt Reeves had something where he was able to make the city of Gotham a character in itself. And whether it was, you know, the the towers or the buildings or whatever it was. And this was shot in England and Scotland for the most part. I mean there were a couple, there were a few scenes shot here in America, but for the most part it was shot overseas and it was done so incredibly well. The other thing too is the score. Michael Giacchino hit a home run it was so apparent even from the 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 first moment Riddler came on screen to the Batman to whomever it was the music in this in this movie was just tremendous and I mean the, the whole while the whole movie stood upon itself the first 20 minutes was amazing I put out a tweet the other day. I said, by the way, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Wannabe Rounders. So that's going to be all one word. Um, but I put a, a uh, tweet out the other day. I said, the first 20 minutes of this movie was amazing. And it was. It was truly, truly amazing. Um, but there should be five nominations uh, for next year's Oscars. And it should be Best Hair and Makeup. For what they did with Colin Farrow as the Penguin. Best uh, score. Michael Chikino should absolutely get a nomination for that. Um, best uh, supporting actor. Paul Dano definitely deserves one. Best screen adapted screenplay. I think Matt Reeves, you know, he knocked it out of the park. And he, he definitely should be getting a nomination. I mean, I know it's super, super early. But he absolutely deserves a nomination for for this. And I think he deserves the Best Picture nomination. And people may say, well, what? But look at the precedent. You know, Black Panther a couple of years ago, I think it was 2018, 2019, got a Best Picture nomination. Now, was it going to win? Of course not. But it won four Oscars. And people forget that. And even to this day, people are still talking about what kind of impact that movie had on this 
um, this audience, this kind of comic book fan audience. And I believe that this is no different. I think, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we're going to be talking about a movie that it's going to stand the, t- stand the test of time. For me personally, my three top three comic book movies of all time, of all time, in no specific order, are Logan, Man of Steel, and The Dark Knight. And by far The Dark Knight being number one. And it just goes to show, you know, it was named the best film in the 2000s. I think by the end of this decade, we could be talking about a film that could be one of those films. And and that's a big achievement if he's able to do that. And we're only in the first one. So imagine what could go on in the sequel. Um, It would be difficult to top, though. It's going to be difficult to top. So I I think it should get five nominations. And it will definitely hold... um, It definitely holds up as one of probably the, the five or six strongest comic book movies of all time. Okay. So let's let's move on. So there are a couple of other things that I, even the first time I, I watched this movie and it was apparent the second time, that Reeves did an incredible job with. And that's, he took little nuances of all of the other Batman films and he put them in his film. Now, it wasn't over the head, I'm going to hit you with all these other Batman movies and just put them in mine. Not like No Time to Die. No Time to Die was, you know, they took things from Honor Majesty's Secret Service and Golden Finger and Moonraker and all these other movies and he just hit you over the head with them. And that's not what this movie was. It was subtle, but it was very um, impressive in which how he incorporated everything. So let me give you a couple examples. The first one being the scene where after Alfred gets, he's in the hospital and he's coming back up and he's arranging things. You see Bruce Wayne push this table and all you see is his bare back. Well, that kind of reminded me of the workout scene in Dawn of Justice when Ben Affleck was getting ready to fight Superman. Um, That was the first thing I noticed. The second thing I noticed was, and this was online, but just the scene itself, was the funeral scene. When we see Bruce Wayne pull up, doesn't that remind you of the 1969 Adam West Batmobile? It sure did to me. I mean, it may not be the exact model and make, but it looks so, so similar to me. Um, the, when Alfred is opening the letter, and did anybody notice the little head over there in the in the you know the phone ringing? That's straight out of the nineteen you know sixties Adam West Batman, where he has the you know he flips up the little things, flips the switch, and where the bat the bat phone, you know, um, incredibly well done. And I think the biggest thing, the the one that really got me. And it's one of the best scenes in the film is the scene where the Riddler has been captured. And, you know, I mean, we see the scene in the trailer where, you know, the the 
curtains being drawn, not the curtain, but it's being drawn up. And then we finally see Riddler. And he says, you know, essentially, I figured out who you are. Bruce Wayne. And he said, I, I can't, I have been waiting for this day to actually ha- tell you that. You know, because he knew, he figured out who he was. And that scene in itself, and as I said, did Dano stole the show. He, he deserves a supporting actor nominee, nomination. Um, it it re- reminded me right out of The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger and, and Batman. And I'm like, oh my God, the parallels here are eerie. And so, you know, Dano has this little monologue and it, it's just his acting made the movie and made that villain even more vicious and and brutal. Um, But I think the thing everybody wants to talk about and it needs to be addressed is we need to talk about the ending. Now, I'm not talking about the actual ending where he's fighting all the, you know, the Riddler bad guys and the, Gotham Square Garden, you know, I'm talking about the actual ending. So Riddler is now in Arkham State Hospital, which I I never understood why they didn't call him Arkham Asylum anyways. But that's a that's a small little tidbit. And so 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 he hears a voice and we kind of I didn't know this at first, but this was uh uh Barry Koenig. And I butchered his name from Eternals, and I'm sorry about that. Um, anyways, so we, you know, turns out if you have a bad day, you end up being a clown. Or I'm paraphrasing the quote. And then he says, you know, he's like, riddle me this. So the laugh, of course, gives it away. And it was a joker. So you go, oh, wow. Now, you're thinking, okay, are they going to set up the next movie with the joker in it? I hope. They don't bring the Joker in for the second one because, you know, how do you, we've had so many different iterations of the Joker, do we really need another one? You know, we just had Joaquin Phoenix in 2019, even though it was a standalone film with Joker. We had Heath Ledger, you know, all those years ago as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Every time there's a Joker, he's always going to be compared to the last one whether it was Jack Nicholson or whether it was Jared Leto or whether it's Heath Ledger, he's always going to be compared to them. And, you know, that's the big thing. How are they would, how would they differentiate this one from the last one? But for me, I think the villain that they need to bring in and in this particular universe, if you will, or iteration of Gotham, it's not the Joker. It's not Clayface. It's not Bane. It's Mr. Freeze. And there have been some whispers around, you know, who the next villain could be. I would love to see a Mr. Freeze. And I think that in itself would be, I'm, would be a completely different take on this Gotham City. 
Now, since we have a younger Batman who's now discovering his powers and whatnot, now you bring in a young Mr. Freeze. You know, he just married his wife, Nora, and, you know, the accident happens, and she gets frozen. You could actually have a really, really good backstory here, strong backstory, and say, well, this is why he's doing what he's doing. Um, I think it would be, it would almost be like an anti-hero type of thing. You, you want him to succeed, but at the same time, you, you want to have Batman beat him. Um, I think that would be an awesome, awesome villain for the second, for the sequel. And you know that they're already thinking about it. It's, it would be a very, and you could do a grounded Mr. Freeze. You absolutely could do a realistic, grounded, visceral, bitter Mr. Freeze. And I think that would work. I really do. If, if it's done properly. So, you know, to have, you know, we could see, you know, the, the whole line by the Joker. He's saying, well, everybody loves a comeback story. Well, yeah, I would, you know, so you could have a Riddler's sub as him being a secondary villain and definitely have Mr. Freeze the main villain. I think that would definitely work. And who knows? I mean, you know, Batman asked Selina at the end of the movie, well, where are you going? What are you going to do? And she's like, well, I'll probably go upstate. I'll probably go to Bloodhaven. Well, could we see it? Are we or could we see a Nightwing? Would that be something, you know? So there's, I mean, we're only a week out from this, but the possibilities are endless. And the other thing too is, you know, I mean, I'm not one to ever put A actor to B role. But so one of my co-hosts the other day said, and I posed the question, so who would you want as a an actor to play Mr. Freeze? And she said, Oscar Isaac. And I thought, wow, that's a really good role. That's a really good idea. I could see an Oscar Isaac actually playing a younger Mr. Freeze. It would be interesting. Now, I don't know who you'd get to do a Nightwing. Nightwing, that would be a completely different story. But an Oscar Isaac doing... I mean, think about it. He's got name recognition. He's been in a ton of stuff. Um, and, I mean, I just saw him in a, a film not too long ago. It was called The Gambler. It was an okay movie, I mean. But he was pretty good in it. So... I think that that would be an interesting thing to explore. So, you know, overall, I love this movie. I love this movie for everything that it had. I love these little things that how Matt Reeves brought all these other Batman iterations in. I loved the story. I loved the music was amazing. You know, I've seen, as I said, I've seen it twice. I mean, I'll probably go back and see it again you know, this upcoming week, it really drives home the point, too, that this is the only way to experience movies. I mean, try sitting down and watching this. You can always sit down and watch this in your home. But I I was lucky enough to see it in IMAX the first time. There is nothing like it. And if if you're a movie fan or a film fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, the theatrical 
the theatrical experience is nothing like nothing else. You know, I'm so glad that, you know, movies are back. And this is the first big one of the year. Um, and we have so much to look forward to. I mean, this is just, this is a, it's a hell of a way to kick off the year. Because in the next two months, we have two huge movies, other huge tentpole movies coming out. One in, you know, about a month with Morbius, which is another big comic book movie that everybody's been looking forward to. And then, of course, in May, we have, you know, the MCU's Doctor Strange. So this is going to be a huge couple of months coming up. But this was a great way to do it. And then, of course, you know, two, three months ago, you had, you know, another huge movie come out in Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, So... If, as I said, if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie. What were your thoughts on it? Did you enjoy it? How many times have you seen it? Who did you see it with? Um, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter. So we have another show tomorrow with uh, my, co- my co-host, Ariana, and Alex. And definitely, I think that this this is an exciting time for movies. And while this is an exciting time for movies, this is the perfect time to get on board and start listening to us. So H&E or Hollywood North Entertainment is on wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it is Spotify, iHeartRadios, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud. All you got to do is hit that subscribe button, and we are going to be putting out weekly content for you to enjoy. So... I'm David Steele, and until next week, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.